Now I hit record. I know. He was he was warming up his That was my cue. He was vocal warming up his vocal thing. My vocal track. Usually he just gargles with his own urine, but <laughs> Well, that sounds like I'm gargling something else actually. <laughs> Salt water. I knew that sounded familiar. Throat. You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 190, Side A. Actually, they're no longer listening to the Give Me Five Podcast <laughs> after that opening. <laughs> they stopped listening after my opening. We're just three guys talking to ourselves. <laughs> which is which is coincidentally the same thing that Omar. Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about some very entertaining thing. This is a side A episode, which means we're going to talk about pop culture, entertainment news, movies, music, books, Florida, kind of whatever the hell we want to talk about. My name is Dutch McCheese, and I'm joined by Grimace Dylan. <laughs> hey, I really like French fries. And the Hamburglar. <laughs> Give me your fucking Yeah, you burger. got the Hamburglar. <laughs> the Hamburglar, come on, own it. <laughs> I can't. Give, give me your best rabble rabble. Rabble. <laughs> I will say, give me your fucking burger. How about that? <laughs> wow. You <laughs> got oddly aggressive. I, that, was, that was forceful. I, I fear for my life. God. Uh, little known fact cheeseburgers and burgers and whatnot. Some of my favorite foods. He might have held a weapon in the air. And we'll discuss that later. Yeah, there was there was a moment for a, l- a little while back in high school that he was in fact a vegetarian, and I believe I was one of the people that was uh, that got him to eat a hamburger or a cheeseburger. That does something in Key West. In Key West. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right, it was Key West. And was yeah. that was that the downfall of vegetarianism? Well, that was. It was the downfall of a toilet at a state park in Key West. That is true, and that was only the that was. Attempt one at vegetarianism. There was a second one, and that ended at a steakhouse. In- so, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things so, that end at steakhouses in Tampa. Thank you. Shout out to Burn Steakhouse. If you have a shit ton of money to burn, go there. No pun intended. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about the Netflix documentary, This Is Pop, the new release, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. And Netflix emotional release starring Kevin Hart called Fatherhood. And I believe we're also going to discuss a an old U2 album. Yeah, we're going to go back to 1987 for a reason. We'll, we'll for a reason. Yeah. We're also going to very probably spoil some things for you because this is a review show. Um, we're going to try to avoid major twists. I promise. I said try. So, if we're talking about something you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, but you really, really are in, into and you don't want to get pissed off at us, then please use your own discretion. Maybe skip ahead or um, come back later because we don't want to mess with your um, in, you know, enjoyment, listening, reviewing. With your listening pleasure. Mm-hmm. If I spoil the uh, U2 album, well... 
then you haven't oh, shit. you haven't been paying attention because it's been thirty plus years. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, okay. Anything in the news? What are we doing? What's happening in the news? Anything? I got a couple things. They're kind of random. Okay. Uh, let's start off with a little bit of a discussion here. Uh, I don't know if we've had this discussion before. Rob, you're a theme park person. I am. Uh, a theme Omar, park person. Omar, you have you have kids, so I think they're may they might not be quite yet at the age where theme parks are uncool. Uh, um, I don't think theme parks are ever uncool. How is that possible? Yeah, I know, but there's people that pretend that they're not cool. That's but, fair. So there is going to be another uh movie based off of a theme park ride. But I was just, I don't want you to guess what it is, because you might have seen the story, but if you could think about all the different theme parks and what rides you would like to see turned into movies, I was just wondering what you guys would be interested in possibly, you know, seeing as a movie. Rides. Splash Mountain. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, so you're saying an existing ride that could become a movie. Like an existing ride that, that it could become, could like be turned Pirates of into the Caribbean. Movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah. Velocicoast. Oh shit. The the Hulk. No. <laughs> you gotta go the other direction. Spider Harry Potter and Mr. Ridden. Oh. No, oh, yeah. damn it. Oh, the Hagrid one. Oh shit. Wait. Y'all suck. <clears throat> Are we getting this wrong? I feel like we're doing this. Men in Black. Oh, no shit. <laughs> oh, the one about the car with the Back to the Future. That's gone, sir. Yeah, I know it is. Don't get the me Simpson. Started, wait. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, how about this? Um, oh, I know what it is. It's uh, um, wait, wait. Um, it's at Magic Kingdom, the Jungle Jungle Cruise. That is actually coming out as a movie already. Yes, with featuring The Rock, and the trailer's pretty funny, yeah. actually. That's but, the one you're but talking that's about. That's not right? what I'm. That's not what I'm talking about. How the fuck is that possible? Okay. Um, because, well, since you guys are screwing this up. Well, I, I did a good job. Okay. Right, <laughs> I I did a good job. Where's I, my I treat? I, I got. <laughs> You can email me, email me a cookie, because I deserve it. <laughs> yep. Scarlett Johansson will star in a film adaptation of the, Twi of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror movie. Now, of course, Twilight Zone was a TV show, and I, well, that's, yeah, I guess it's a movie as well. But they're, <sighs> they're making a movie based on the Hollywood Hotel. That's what it's called, right? There is already one. Yeah, well, the Hollywood Tower Hotel, yeah. Hollywood Tower Hotel. There's yeah. already one with, like, Steve Guttenberg or something. See, wait a second. That's not fair. You told okay. You told us that it was. That I, well, that I wasn't we trying never... to get you to guess. I was trying to get God you to to expand upon and try to figure out what you guys would turn into a, a ride. Rob, I call like, shenanigans on this one. Right into a movie. Because... Like I would be like, shit. I want the uh, the dull freeze thing as a movie. This is <laughs> some <laughs> bullshit shenaniganery. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I would just watch people eat that for an hour and a half. That thing's delicious. Wait, what are we talking about? The dull whip. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. So, did you say Scarlett Johansson? Because whatever. Scarlett Johansson. This was just I'll announced today. Uh, she's going to start a film adaptation of Disney's Twilight Zone theme park ride, Tower of Terror. It is written by Toy Story's four, Toy Story Four's Josh Cooley. Homer's no like, director. I don't care is... what she's doing. If she's mowing the lawn, I'll watch it. I don't give. A I shit. will watch <laughs> that. Count me in. Take my money, please. So that that's one one little bit of news. Do we have any others? I see something about Pop Tarts here. Well, there's also going to, there, there is a show coming out about Pop Tarts. 
which is it was weird news. That's why I picked it. Uh, what, like actually, a it's, show like a, yeah, like a series. Yes. Now it is weird because it's just a show of uh, Scarlett Johansson eating pop tarts and a weird Romanian guy that sits there and just watches her eat them. Well, now no. you're making me sound creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making him sound creepy. <laughs> yeah. The, no. He, you don't need any help with that, Omar. I, I literally sound... said exactly what he said word for word, but instead of lawn mowing, I said pop tart. Yet I'm the one. <laughs> yeah, but when, when I say it, I sound debonair. Ah. <laughs> when you say it, it sounds creepy. Oh, yeah. When you say that, you sound full of shit. Actually, <laughs> when I That's say it, another... I sound. When I say it, I sound debonair, Your Honor. <laughs> and by the way, Scarlett Johansson, full of shit. That's another movie I'd watch. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> he is part of What happened was. <laughs> Okay, we just killed Omar. But anyway, Pop-Tart. So uh, Jerry Seinfeld had a bit about the creation of the Pop-Tart, which is weird because it's like one of those like famous ones that he did a long time ago. And then like there was a story about the creation of the joke and how it expanded and so on and so forth. And now it's going to be a TV show about the creation of the Pop-Tart. Uh, it was picked up by Netflix. Uh, they won the bidding rights, meaning there's a lot of people after it. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld will actually be in it. Hmm. Wow. And... Uh, it will, uh, so, I mean, he has other shows, but he's kind of playing himself in the other ones. Well, he played himself in the other one. Like, I wonder main, if he was one. attached to it already, which is why there was a He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. With Spike Firestein and Barry Martyr, who was his, one of his, two of his writing partners. Um, he, of course, wait, had wait, wait, a... Seinfeld, Seinfeld wrote this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense with the bidding wars and all that stuff. Yeah. But, so it's probably like, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things about Jerry Seinfeld is like he's always kind of plays himself. Like he does comedians in cars playing, getting coffee, and he of course was in Seinfeld because he doesn't really act. He just kind of is himself. He always is kind of smirking at the camera, which is one of the things that make people not be able to act. But um, I'm intrigued. It's going to be on Netflix, so it will be watched by me. Because why not? So that is due out, I believe, in 2022. It'll be uh, oh, it'll begin production in the spring of 2022, and of course that stuff always changes. So, yeah. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen uh, Seinfeld in, um, I I love the show Thirty Rock. If you've never seen him in that, just maybe it'll it's probably on YouTube. Just the scenes with him in it, because he is again playing himself. But there's one particular bit where there it's like they sort of poke fun at his uh, speaking style. It's it's brilliant. It's so funny. Check it out if you're a if you're a Seinfeld fan. It's it's really well done. And cars getting coffee with um apparently it's him and Alec Baldwin, but they're like mimicking and talking about like old like comedians and actors from like the 30s and 40s that like people that you always hear people reference and you're like who? And it actually happens to be really funny. So that's another one to check out. Fields. No, like really obscure ones. Like the ones that are like known for being debonair, like Omar is telling the judge and and and, and his uh, and Scarlett Johansson's attorneys in his stalker defense case. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm never gonna live that down. <laughs> no, you've done way worse. Okay, so what else do we got? Okay. Well, speaking of way worse, I, uh, uh, we're 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 gonna visit Florida Man, aren't we? We we are gonna visit Florida Man. It's um. It's kind of like a a moron Florida man combined with a bad choice of victim. Um, well, 
Let me ask you guys this. Do you like your bagels? Yes. Wait, is this like a, a racist thing? No. <laughs> no, do you like bagels? You're goddamn right I like bagels. I meant the look. food, yes. I'm a huge fan. Do do you like toppings on your bagels, such as cream cheese? I do like cream cheese on a bagel. It's pointless without it. A light a light schmear. Life if is miserable they, without it. If they forget your cream cheese, do you then threaten to shoot the cashier? <laughs> No, I just politely ask, in a debonair way, ask for more cream cheese. That is also true, but uh, in the Jewish culture, if you do threaten to shoot your cashier, it is called a mitzvah. It is a good good deed if cream cheese is involved. Well, Mr. Omar Wright, 48, in, (laughs) in Miami Gardens, Florida, became irate when they forgot the cream cheese for his bagel. He then came back and began yelling at the employee and pulled out a gun and started waving it in the air. Now, they did say that he never actually pointed the gun at the employee, but he was arrested and charged with aggravated assault with a firearm and was being held on a $10,000 bond. Now, where this actually gets even worse for Mr. Wright... Oh, I, that- for- I forgot about this part. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How could the it be worse? Starbucks employee that he threatened with his firearm was, in fact, the police worked. chief's daughter. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say he worked for Blackwater, but that's fine, too. <laughs> no. The police chief's daughter. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> Good job, Omar. Way to be a moron. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting. The, like her interview, because like if you're the police chief's daughter, you know damn well that he has sat her down at some point and be like, "This is how you handle these type of situations." So she's mm-hmm. like in the interview with her, like I don't remember exactly what she said. She's very matter of fact about it. Like, yeah, I was afraid for my life. Yeah, like the exact blah, blah, things blah. you're you're supposed to say, like not a, holy shit, <laughs> but like, yeah, what. Just ask the, the police cases. chief. By the way, is is her mother? Oh, mother. Okay. So, yeah, just ask for more cream cheese. Also, I mean, as a side, if you're if you really want a bagel and cream cheese, don't go to fucking Starbucks. And th- this is me. I love Starbucks. I had Starbucks yeah. before we before we recorded. You go. You bring your ass to a to a, a bagel place or a bakery. Thank you. Exactly. No, Starbucks gets the Einstein like, the, or Panera or something. It yeah. If you're already there, fine. You get the microwave whatever. bagel from Star. From yeah, Starbucks. it's not great. Yeah, you you go to like Eisenblatt's Bakery or something like that. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Excellent. Well, thank you, Florida man, for being. Yeah. I mean, you're still not as good as the Moron. ultimate Florida man, but you know. No, that's true. So, no, whose name is Florida? Yeah. So here's the deal: we do a podcast. You guys listen to a podcast. And we are thankful for you guys listening to the podcast. Uh, we also like bagels, and we go to the nice bagel shops. So we need, and we, and we the the bagels fuel the podcast. Like so so we need a little bit of money to keep the bagel fuel coming. Um, and the way we do that is we have a uh, Patreon, and we'll we'll talk about uh, patron later. But our Patreon. If you give us just $5, that's like a bagel a month for us. 
we all split we all split the same bagel. It's very cute. We're like it's like a three way uh, lady in the tramp situation. We all kind of start at one end of the bagel and just kind of eat our way till we meet in the middle. It's very cute. But it but keeps us close. It does. So for just five dollars, you guys get uh, invited to our chat. You guys get to feel good about helping our show. You guys get a special uh, uh, birthday episode, which again. There happens to be one coming up later to a birthday top five list coming up today. There are other benefits as well. You can check us out at uh, patreon.com slash give me five podcast. Thank you in advance. You will regret it. <laughs> you will. So we got a couple topics here. I think I we think... should just roll right into them. Okay. Uh, Rob, why don't you depress us a little bit first, if that's okay. With fatherhood. <laughs> well, all right, all right. So I was I was scrolling around Netflix, and I I love a lot of the Kevin Hart stand-up. So when I see something with Kevin Hart on it, I'm like, oh, what is this? And so I watched the trailer, and I'm like, oh, oh, I <laughs> I don't I don't know that I want to watch this. But I gave it a shot, and I'm glad I did. It's the the movie in question is called Fatherhood. It was released on June 18th of this year, 2021. It's on Netflix. Like I said, it's directed by Paul Weitz, and it stars Kevin Hart, Alfre Woodard, Lil Ray Howery, Dewanda Wise, Melody Hurd, Paul Reiser, Anthony Kerrigan, Deborah Ayorinde, Frankie Faison, and Thedra Porter. And so th this is, by the way, the currently the number one streaming movie on Netflix. And, and I understand why. I mean, my, my first thoughts on this, like five minutes in, I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck, Netflix? <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? I mean, this movie really tugs at the heartstrings very, very hard. But in addition to that, it's very heartfelt. And I'll be damned if they didn't make an extremely emotional movie lighthearted and funny at times i was like what and so so the movie wasn't just an entire depressed fest so to speak you know and that, that might be a function of kevin hart being in the movie and and i gotta say I, it might be because i haven't seen a whole lot of of his like movies uh, you know maybe i just haven't seen his entire repertoire but i was unaware that he could do drama and damn he nailed it he I don't was, know if I've seen him doing drama. I've seen him do a you know action comedy. comedy yeah, comedy. I mean, I, I usually see him in action, or in, I mean, in comedy, or sometimes like a like a off action comedy where he plays like the the hysterical. Ah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because Kevin Hart, like, I don't I don't see him as. I mean, this movie seems really heavy. Like he's done things like Central Intelligence, where. He's kind of the straight man, almost, in that movie. Like, to, The Rock is, like, the, the goofy one, or at least that's, you know, from the point of view of the audience, you see that. So I was really surprised with this movie how um, how heavy it seems. Well, I, I, but it's see, not a movie that I'm going to watch. But see, in that movie, even though, even though he's playing the straight man in that movie, he's still the comedy of that movie. Because it's his reactions to the rock that are the that are the funny part. So he's he may be the straight man, but he's still the comedy driver in that movie. But that's and, what I'm saying is he's and, not he's not the funny he's not the deliberately funny one. 
He's like the well, but see, I, I, I think he is. I think he is deliberately funny. Um, but he he absolutely drove this movie. I mean, yeah. you could feel his heartbreak, the despair, his frustration, and you could feel his love. I was surprised that I liked this movie as much as I did. Um, if you're if you're in the mood for a tearjerker, I would definitely recommend it because this will get you to well up. And Omar was asking if um, if Greg had seen this, and I'm like, there is no way in hell that Greg had seen this movie. <laughs> And I, that's right. And I mean, one uh, yeah, thing I that I like, love, I don't like movies that make me feel well my own connected feelings. with the main character, despite actually not having children or being married. It, this was, this, this was, this was actually a really good movie. It's, it, I mean, I don't want to say it's along the same lines as Notebook because Notebook really didn't have the, the comedy value that this movie had. Because this movie actually took you on a roller coaster. I mean, there were times that you were smiling and laughing, and there were times that you were damn near near, damn near next to tears. And I, it was it was a really good movie. Well, that's funny that you say that because that's what it's like having kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I agree with Greg. Like, because I guess because we do, you know, have kids and are or were married. Um, I don't want to watch that. Like that's too much, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I can, I I can just, it's too heavy. Like that, right? But, I, but it's it's not. Yeah, that's the the kids. That's kind of how I am too. Where the sadness comes in, other than the fact that that the conditions the the conditions of their situation, um, the kid is actually the grounding force for him, and drives a lot of the feel good moments of the movie. Whereas his despair over his wife is what drives the the tears of the movie. So the 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 relationship with his daughter is actually the feel good portion of the movie. What's in What's interesting is that this movie is <laughs> is written and directed by the guy that wrote and directed American Pie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see where the like the comedy value comes in, and of course, and, where, and I gotta yeah, believe that there's that there's a little bit of Kevin Hart in the script as well, <laughs> because guess. a lot of some of Kevin's dialogue, especially when it comes to the funny parts of the movie, sounds like it's all Kevin Hart. It sounds almost like his stand-up, and it's pretty funny. Okay. I'm looking up. Is it? Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not. Is this a sure. true story? Is this based on a true story? Yeah, it looks like it is. And now that you say that, I want to say that I did see um, that it was based on a true story, like in passing or something. Yeah, high school, March twenty fourth, two thousand eight. High school sweethearts Matthew and Liz. Logalin became parents, and then his, twenty-four hours or twenty-seven mm-hmm. hours after Maddie's birth, Liz unexpectedly died after suffering a pulmonary embolism. So, and I, I vaguely remember that story, um, mm-hmm. but it's uh, huh. that was from a Time magazine article about the movie. So, so it does make it hit even harder when you know, like, man. Yeah. 
This dude uh, is living that nightmare. Yeah, yeah I'm down to give it a shot. For a well, good, maybe I'll, well maybe I'll watch acted, the trailer. And well-directed movie that will make you feel your own feelings, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really like Kevin Hart. Um, and I've, I'd never really seen mm-hmm. his comedy, but I read his book. And his book is about his comedy, like how he got to the point of where he does it, which I, I know I've talked about on the show a lot of times, about how he was would do bits, and then when he started speaking his own truth, regardless mm-hmm. of how painful it is, um, that's when he started taking off. And I really respected that. Is it? Do you recommend that one? I have in the book. Yeah, I recommend. I recommend that. Yeah. I recommend before learning how to speak before you try to re- recommend something. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend the audiobook on that one because, yeah, I, I recommend a Does ramekin. Does he narrate it? Uh, no, you, I recommend the okay. audiobook of that one. I mean, I've, I haven't read the, the paper one. Gotcha. Yes, that's why. And he does little asides. He'll be like, you know, like he'll be about to talk about a story. He'll be like, oh, this shit, this part. <laughs> when he does talks about something embarrassing or whatever. And it, you know it's okay. stuff that's like not in the book. So I, I like reading books about comedians and when I say reading, I love I will tend to do those books with Audible. Because okay. of the asides. So Well, I guess let's go from that to uh let's talk about the pop documentary. This is pop on Netflix and we're gonna see if we get if we get this one right. Because what's weird is I used to hate pop music, and I used to hate everything about the idea of pop music. You know, it was corporate garbage, put together bands, and they would go out and, you know, do all this. They would grab all these people just because they're pretty and whatever. Like, they didn't start in a garage like they're supposed to do, that kind of stuff. And then I worked. I was, and I'm sure Omar was probably in the, kind of in the same place back in high Back in high sure. school, college, yeah. it's like you, know, you guys, you're just. Yeah, but if the songs were good, still good, then they put some production value on you and whatever. And yeah, but I don't know. But then you know, I got a little older, and I worked in pop radio. I was, you know, as you worked at at Zeta, Omar. I worked at Y100, correct for the most part. And it for a while it even got worse because I there was all these like pop rock bands out there that were doing stuff like you know that song story of a girl and oh terrible it's a terrible song yeah and like i had heard the song early because of just going to concerts and things like that and i was like this band was heavier before what's up or like i don't you know download it from napster or something you're like this is a different version of the song it's like oh yeah they softened it to put it on pop radio they took out the electric guitars or something Right, uh-huh. and it's interesting because working at a radio station made it worse for me. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> and and like, and Zeta was like a rock station, you know, like Chili Peppers and stuff. And it, it's like seeing that end of the business made it. It was bad. Yeah, and there was the, and I remember one time I was, you know, like I was not interested in the sales department, which is why I don't still work for a radio station because that's where I was stationed, so to speak. And I remember talking to the the person that picked the music that would go on so the program not manager program, but director. The program director yeah his name is rob something but i remember him telling me every week like we would just talk and i'd be like oh okay so what are the top 10 
uh, songs going to be this week, and he would nail them every time. And it was like across the United States. Huh? Wow, you got it right again. He's like, yeah, because we all determine what it is by how many times we decide to play it. It's like, yeah, we're going to play this 100 times a day. So it's going to end up being number one because we said it. Like, oh, well, that's kind of lame, too. It's not like, you know, in, in the back of your mind, you kind of like, oh, these are people requesting songs. And then they do some algorithm with how many songs people are buying and all this stuff. But but that's not true, though, because when I was at Zeta, some of the people requesting songs were me pretending to be at work somewhere. Yeah, there you go. See, this is the This is the behind the scenes stuff that you guys... Yeah, are, are tuning in for it. And I was literally in the freaking music, in the studio, like in, in the booth next to the actual sound booth calling so that the <laughs> DJ had somebody to talk to and requesting the Chili Peppers, which they were going to play anyway. Because I could yeah. tell you as soon as our show was over, I could tell you the next five songs almost in order pretty much every day. Without, and I didn't know. I wasn't a program director. I didn't, but it was just the same freaking set up every day it was the same order almost 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 in order so so that was then and and then you know years later if you look at what i listen to a lot of there is some pop that has made its way into there and i there and i find it fascinating that things like the backstreet boys like i don't like the backstreet boys um i've met some of the backstreet boys i've met some of nsync they were super nice dudes like extraordinarily generous um like, I actually, I met, really cool. I met one of the, I met one of the NSYNC dudes twice. I met Joey Fatone twice. Uh, one time getting off of uh, the great movie ride at, at Hollywood Studios. He was there, he was there, like, they were loading him on because he was celebrities, so they were going to load him on. But, like, oh, hey. And another time he actually went to a charity event that wasn't doing very well that I was part of. And he bought every item there so that it didn't fail. And then just bought every item and then left. It said donate the items to the charity too. Like, dude, you're awesome. That's really cool. Now, this documentary, it I've only watched a few episodes. And the I guess I'll say the one complaint I have is that there's no real thread that kind of travels through all of them. So the first one is about Boys to Men. And yeah, you know, I I like Boys to Men. And that was like the one I'll say pop band that I really actually didn't mind back in the day. Like, I'm not sure if you guys did. I mean, like, yeah, I was a straight-up metalhead in high school, and I, I loved Boys to Men. Yeah, and see, I didn't consider them pop. I considered them R&B. Yeah. And that was the thing, like, they really talk about that, was they were an R&B singing group quartet at the time, and they were found by Michael Bivens from Velvet DeVoe, formerly, of course, of New Edition, and he packaged them as a pop band that was really good R&B. That was just the, the, that was his angle on it, and it worked. And it took off. Uh, the next one is all about autotune. So there's this whole thing with T-Pain that they, that they talk about, and he's talking about how you know, T-Pain kind of blew up by doing the, following the, the autotune thing that Cher did on Belief. And then like, everyone was like, oh, okay, well that's just lame. You're just doing this weird thing with your voice. And Everyone like belittled him, and he kind of like people would make fun of T Pain, but then they would stick him on his songs because he his he was using auto tune and uh, 
his voice is like as an instrument in all these other other rapper songs and everyone like mocked it until like Kanye West came out with an entire album of it and everyone's like oh he's a genius he paints like the fuck <laughs> like literally <laughs> I love a man I like I always liked T-Pain like it, I just thought that I that song I'm in love with a stripper made me laugh because it was just so straightforward it was just like yeah I'm in love with a stripper great and <laughs> like it's just funny hearing him basically be like Seriously? Like, my voice was the instrument, but I still wrote the song. I still wrote the hooks. I wrote the, the beat and produced it and whatever else. So, back off. Um, There's also an episode about uh, Sweden, and it kind of follows the thread. This is the third episode. It follows the thread be between, uh, like, ABBA to, well... This is the second time for out, you people out there that are listening that we're recording this because for some reason it stopped recording. Hmm. Uh, but so I would normally be like, what other? What was the next big band? And that was Roxette in the late '80s, '89, '90, I guess. And then Ace of Base took over. There's a really kind of interesting story there with Ace of Base giving. They knew there's a producer they liked. Um, his last his last name is Pop. I forget his first name, and they wanted to get him to do their their stuff so they gave him the tape he put it in his car and it got stuck in the uh the cassette player for like three weeks and so finally he's like well i he guess i'm gonna sign he, he in fact did see the the sign on that one it opened up his eyes and he was like yeah I'll, I'll record your stuff and they were like okay you know let's let's see how this works out and they it came together really well and then it got to the point of where there was like all these bands coming to sweden from america to record at this little studio and it's a studio you heard a lot about and then you when you actually see it it's crazy it's like this little like tiny building uh it's like man the backstreet boys recorded there and britney spears and uh in sync and all these other like huge boy bands recorded there um so it's it's interesting from that respect uh the next episode which i'm probably going to watch tonight is the the country pop one so it's really it's interesting i i very much like the documentary mm -hmm. um it is out of order i think like i wouldn't you know i was You're really out thinking of order. yeah this like, whole kinda... boardroom's out of order <laughs> like you know you would think when you think pop like uh, th going back even to before the jackson five the beatles some of these bands that crossed over and you know elvis to some extent he was more considered the origin origins of rock but but it does, I think, because it's from a, a Canadian TV show. Because if you look at the dates, it said, like, I tried to look when the show was premiered, and it said, like, March 7th. I'm like, how did I miss this? But it mm -hmm. premiered in Canada on March 7th. Uh, so I'm guessing that it wasn't really made to be binged. You're not really supposed to find a thread to it. Because, like, the, for example, the, there's a, a whole thought line through the episode three about the Swedish things. Like, well, what makes all these Swedish dudes so good at writing pop songs? Because they talk to these two people that like, and they're like, these are the songs they wrote. And it's like almost every Taylor Swift song, every Katy Perry song, it's the same dude, like wrote most of the Backstreet Boys songs, most of this. And it's like, why are these people, why are these people able to write these songs? And one of the reasons they actually said is because they're, because English isn't their first language. So these songs are really vague. So they, they speak to more people. So it's like, uh -huh. I want it that way. Like, I want it that way. Well, what way? What do you want? You want it? What's it? I want two all beef patties. 
Yeah, I want I want it that way. <laughs> I want meat and some bacon. Sorry, I'm stopping now. But so they, like that's <laughs> what they don't. said. They're like <laughs> And hold the ketchup. There you go. So yeah, they're like, Well, why are we able to write these songs? Well, we just we only know a few words. We don't get too deep and you know, it's allowed to, it's able to speak to way more people because, like, oh, they're totally talking to me. They want it that way. And, like, so it's, it's, a, it's a cool little documentary. King. Yes, and Burger King. So I would suggest checking it out. This is pop. It's fun. If you like music documentaries, if you like pop music in the 90s, 2000s, you will like this. It sounds, it sounds really interesting because. There's so many great stories behind, behind just behind in the music scene in general. I don't care what kind of music, whether you mm-hmm. like that kind of music or not. It sounds like, um, it sounds like the end up type of stuff that you and I would like really to. The thing that honestly, the one thing that really fascinated me, like I knew about all these places, these hit making studios, and they like show you photos and video from in those places. Now, when the people first went there to record, they weren't stars yet. They walked out the door, the albums came out, and then they became stars. And it's like like showing them sitting in the break room of the place, and it looks like a break room at, like, the DMV. You know, there's, like, coffee stains <laughs> on the counter. <laughs> you know, like, a coffee pot that hasn't been cleaned in forever, and it's just, like, this little tiny space. Like, you know, oh, yeah, this, this is the sound booth, but now we use it for storage. Like, just, it's fascinating to see these places. And, like, you know it, again, back to the radio stations, you know, like, like you worked at the the new facility, I was at the older facility. I, I was, mine was um across the street from Dolphin Stadium. Yeah, so across. I was the, at the other facility on uh, Sunrise. Oh no, and, no, 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 and like all you, the commissary, for example, was just this like big empty room. And I actually, remember that when when I was there, here's here's a fun little story. I went to get my lunch, and there was a dead rat laying on top of it in Ew. the fridge. Oh, because because it froze to death. No, because it was the first season of Survivor, and if you remember, they made people eat rats on that. So one of the people was from South Florida, and they brought her on to the show, and they wanted to make her eat a rat on the air. Um, so now it was actually a rotisserie chicken that they were going to cook, but they someone actually brought in a, a, a someone got a dead rat from like a pet store and didn't and stuck it in the fridge on top of my lunch. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and asshole. Then yeah, and then they of course brought out the rotisserie chicken from Publix to this person to eat. But still, I was like serious. So because remember they they did have webcams back then, but they weren't great. So anyway, watch this as pop. And now let us move on to uh, what's next? Oh, we're gonna do uh the hitman's wife's party guard. Yep. Tell us about Hitman Wife's Bodyguard. So I went to the movies this past weekend, and I, I'm very glad that I went to see this movie. Uh, did you see the Hitman's Bodyguard, the, the first one with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson? Eventually. I saw it on streaming. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. If you enjoyed that one, you'll probably enjoy this one as well. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard was actually released June 16th of this year, 2021, 
Uh, it's directed by Patrick Hughes, stars Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek, Frank Grillo, Antonio Banderas, Morgan Freeman, Tom Hopper, Gary Oldman. The, the synopsis is, the bodyguard Michael Bryce continues his friendship with assassin Darius Kincaid as they try to save Darius' wife, Sonia. That's an oversimplification. The, the entire first portion of the movie is Ryan Reynolds' character, Michael Bryce, dealing with the fact that he's lost his bodyguarding license, and apparently you can't be a bodyguard without a license. And so he's dealing, he's dealing with that, and he's not doing a very good job of it. And, I mean, Ryan, Re- Ryan Reynolds is completely in his full-on Ryan Reynolds uh, mode. <laughs> I mean, you know how he acts, right? In, yeah, like, almost all of his movies. Yeah, and and so he he's full on Ryan Reynolds in this movie. I laughed the entire way through this movie. Ryan and Sam have great chemistry, and God, and hearing some of the shit that came out of Selma Hayek's mouth just had me rolling while I was watching this. I was like, "You got to be shitting me." Uh, I mean, it, you texted me Ryan... some of those things. What's that? You texted me some of those things. I did. AT- I did. And AT and T has now canceled my cell phone plan just because of it. So, can I say some of them or no? I mean, don't go too long, but you know. You well, don't want to, I, you don't want to ruin well, it. One of the, the ones, people. one of the ones that I absolutely lost it on was there. Uh, Salma and Ryan are sitting on this boat, and she's talking about why she can't have kids because she desperately wants a child. She desperately wants a baby, and she's been trying to get Darius uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character to give her a child. And she's complaining about why she can't get pregnant. Now, mind you, there's a group of nuns sitting on the right side, on the on the right side of the boat. They're sitting on the left side. And she says something in Spanish, and he's like, what? I don't understand. And she, she's like, my pussy, it's too tight. And he's like, oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, and then she goes, the whiny little sperm, they get tired and give up halfway up my pussy pipe. <laughs> What's what the hell? What? <laughs> and the nuns are sitting on the right side of the boat, just like crossing themselves and shit. And and Ryan's like, her. "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." She's, you know, it's it is totally ridiculous. And she is so like insane in this movie, and it's great. Well, and I didn't, she, she, Rob, I'm ahead. sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know this was a family. I thought it was like supposed to be funny. What do you mean it's a family? <laughs> I'm kidding. He was kidding. He was. He, <laughs> oh. I didn't know this no, was something I could take my daughters to. Like, I thought this was going to be something silly and lighthearted. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you can totally take your kids to see this, Omar. Oh, you should, no, you cool. should yeah, in yeah. fact, take your kids to see this. And let your ex know that you're taking your kids to see this. Oh, yeah. That's not going to provoke legal I, action in I any way. Like, I told him to take his kids. <laughs> uh, and... And so, like, the situations that um, Ryan's char- Ryan Reynolds' character is dealing with about, um, you know, not not being able to be a bodyguard anymore, he's decided to just completely give up on, on, on weapons, and he's trying to simplify his life. He actually goes off to a spa and is having a weekend getaway when Salma Hayek finds him and says that they have to go save uh, Darius, Samuel L. Jackson's character. And just... Just the hijinks. I know that sounds stupid, but the hijinks they get into are just so ridiculous. And Ryan and Selma interacting are fantastic. I, it, it, like I said, I, I laughed the entire way through this movie, and and there was one part in the movie where I was surprised by who was in it because at one point they go to meet Ryan Reynolds' father, 
you know, they, they go for some help to Ryan Reynolds' father, who is a famous bodyguard or whatever. And, you know, he's he's talking about his, fa- his father with all this reverence and everything, and he's like, oh, he's the greatest bodyguard ever, blah, blah, blah. He won the award, like, six years running or some shit. And, of course, Samuel L. Jackson can't believe that they give awards for that. But, you know, they, they're introducing him, and he's kind of standing in shadow, and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to friggin' die if this is Kevin Costner. Playing the bodyguard. I was going to guess it would be Kevin Costner. Oh, that's and really that, that's, I'm like, that was going to be hilarious if it was Kevin Costner. No, it was even better. Because uh, his uh, father was... ruin that. Oh, my God. Um, nope, don't ruin that one. That's a, that's a cameo. That is, that is a spoiler I will, I will not let stand, sir. <laughs> All right. But it, it led to some interesting conversations and some funny shit going on. And just... I... I really, really enjoyed this movie, and I would, I would recommend going to see this in the theater. It was, it was that funny and that enjoyable. Okay, you can, you can is, tell everyone it, it was Whitney Houston that was the. Oh. It was, it was Whitney Houston, was his father. The shambling, the shambling corpse of Whitney Houston. That's right. I'm a but I, person. I would. This movie is worth paying full price to go see. It was that funny. Okay. I enjoyed the shit out of this. I'm down. And I, 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 if Ryan Reynolds is in it, I'll watch it. Um, Salma Hayek plays insane in this movie so well, and it's not like she's insane. It's like she's crazy girlfriend insane. You know the insane I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I've been down. And she road. absolutely nails it. Absolutely nails it, and it is hilarious. Well, so I think that's my that, review. That Go us... see it. Okay. Excellent. Well, guys, we have an announcement to make here on the Give Me Five podcast. Do tell. We're replacing Omar. No, we're not replacing Omar. <laughs> with, so, with, oh a, with a mannequin from Macy's. Because <laughs> <laughs> things are cheap now. That comes alive. They have more personality. So. <laughs> and better self and better computer reception. Ouch. Um. No, now that hurt, are... buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was too real. That was low, that was buddy. Real. <laughs> yeah, true. So, you know, we like to on our side B episodes. We like to go back in time, '90s movies, '80s movies. We did a couple '70s movies. Uh, we did a Sound of Thunder. Oh. Oh, Jesus, I can't. Escape that was that not one. fun. Yeah, movies about going back in time. But anyway. While we were looking at some, up some movies, I just happened to notice that the summer of 87 had just a fun lineup of movies. So we decided to go back, and for our Side B episodes for the summer, we are going to take you on a trip through 1987. We're going to basically watch the movies that came out the summer of 1987 in approximately the order and time that they occurred. Now we are starting a little bit late. There was a couple weeks that didn't have any movies. There was a couple weeks that had two movies. So this week we are starting with Predator. And I came up with a little bit of a teaser for you people out there to hear. In a world ravaged by yuppies and garbage pail kids. A time where the rhythm was gonna get you. The Scorch. Uh what are you doing? I'm recording Give Me Five Summer of 87 trailer. 
No, no, no. I mean the thing with your voice. That is my voice. The mic brings out the badassery. Now get out of here. More like dumbassery. Go. <clears throat> In a world ravaged by yuppies and garbage pail kids, where the rhythm was gonna get you, the scorching heat of the summer brought with it cinematic glory. Ooh, glory. I like that movie. Shh. Aliens and sharks hunted humans for sport. Oh, hell yeah. Police officers, some robotic, and some by the book, kept criminals at bay. I'll be back. Wrong movie. Nerds and babysitters led us on great adventures. And Superman saved us from nuclear annihilation. Uh, that's a bit dramatic. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was. And there were Care Bears and rappers saving old people, too. We're going to replace you with a helper monkey. Every Monday this summer, the Give Me Five podcast will bring you back to the summer of 1987, reviewing and reminiscing about the movies that came out that week, but 33 years ago. Join us on your favorite podcast provider. And be excellent to each other. Wrong year. Now, in honor of the summer of 87, our historian of the group is going to do a quick review each week of something else from 1987, because there was more than just movies that came out that year. And this week, what do you have for us, Omar? Um, summer of 87. Nothing, nothing really rings a bell. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Where the streets have no name, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. With or without you, bullet the blue sky, running to stand still, Red Hill Mining Town, <laughs> and God's Country, trip through your wires, One Tree Hill, exit, and Mothers of the Disappeared. Does that ring a bell? Anybody? Anyone? Anyone? No. It does. Not, not even Those... Remotely. Let's see. Those, uh, those are... Mm -hmm. Subtitles of Bible stories? <laughs> actually, with this band, it's that might be true. Actually, <laughs> yeah, true. yeah uh, that is uh, that's the track list for the Joshua Tree by U two. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so the same summer the Predator came out, we also had the Joshua Tree come out. That's actually kind of correct. Crazy um, pop culture year. Absolutely. And actually, another record that was really big at the time, I believe the same summer, um, the same time period was uh, uh, like things like Appetite for Destruction, stuff like that. Like it was a huge, it was a huge year for movies and music. Um, the Joshua Tree, I remember at the time, um, I think I even remember specifically that year um, on MTV, which at the time was huge. Like that was the. That was the thing, right? Speaking of your of the pop culture uh, video uh, uh, show that you had been watching, um, the Joshua Tree, if I recall correctly, came out as like that was like the number one album of the year. Um, it was, it was, I, and I, I, you might say this, but um, there was a song on it that was actually like the most requested song of all time for a very long time. I'm gonna say, was that back when MTV actually still had music on it? Correct. Correct, and and it may it could make or break you. You know that back then. Yeah, um, I think it was. I think the most requested was "With or Without You," wasn't it? Yep, it was for a really long time. Like that album, like, that song dominated that year. Like that, even that one over that that one over "Welcome to the Jungle" for song of the year. Um, mm -hmm. That year, I remember that. Like, 
the person we're going to talk about in a little bit won't remember that because he wasn't there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know who you are, buddy. But <laughs> but I remember being actually disappointed at the time because I was young enough to like not really appreciate what I was hearing. You know, like I was a I was a Guns N' Roses fan, but not like a U2 fan yet. But this is the record that, that this was their, I believe, fifth album. I want to say this one is after fourth album. It's uh, after Unfor- Unforgettable Boy. Fire. What well, War yeah. Boy, Unforgettable Fire, right? Am I missing anything? Mm-hmm. And then Joshua Tree. No? I want to say it's their fourth. Yeah, I think. So, um, without, yeah, without looking it up. But um, this record is ridiculous. I mean, there's I, even going over it, like while we were, I was looking over the record um, earlier today, like prepping for the show and everything. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. I got, I, I mean, I, I have goosebumps talking about this album. Um, the album is kind of like their love letter to America. They had been touring for essentially a decade at this point, um, and they had been with each album starting in you know the like you know i think it was 80 or 81 when when um 81 82 when like boy and war came out those those two records had have a very distinct feel the first two albums unforgettable fire um like a song like pride in the name of love that's off of unforgettable fire um that's about uh martin luther king but you can see there's a a maturity going on after boy and war mm-hmm. And then this record just just sets the world on fire. I mean, this record this record was certified diamond, ten million copies in America, um, and then millions of copies, you know, in Germany and worldwide. Um, I re- I remember being fascinated. You mentioned it was a love letter to America. I remember being fascinated that when I first realized that Joshua Tree was a place in California because I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, and I was like, the pic- I thought it would be someplace in you know africa based on the picture or you know something like that and i was like and then i found out it was not only that but like a place you know where they do military exercises and stuff right nearby um (laughs) really really interesting actually the 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 tree on the cover of that record um i just found out as i was researching this that tree died in 2000 back in the year 2000 that Mm. tree is no longer there (laughs) <laughs> the, the the one that's on the cover of the Joshua Tree album. Um, Sad. Yeah, that's really crazy. Um, but this this is just one of those albums that marks a time period, and there and and you you can't really ever go back to it. It's it's one of those things that um, everything just clicked, which. Mm-hmm. For those of you that were there, or for those of you that are U2 fans, um, this is kind of like their pinnacle. I mean, Octoon Baby came later, like in, nine, what was it, 90 or 91, when Octoon Baby was released. And that's huge. That's a fantastic record. It's yeah. a huge album. But this is the one that, that broke them into superstardom. You know what I mean? Like, this one catapulted them into... Um, the Octoon Baby and Pop and everything that came after, you know, all that you can't leave behind and all that stuff, n- none of that w- would have been possible without the Joshua Tree. And it's interesting yeah. because the Joshua Tree could not have been possible without the evolution that they went through to get to that record and touring all those years and being on the road and just 
you know, I, I imagine them, these, these Irish Catholic boys, literally from Ireland, right? And they're, and they're traveling through America, which back in those days, and, and, and in a large degree even now, but back in those days, I can, I can tell you that America, by, in, in, especially in Europe, I mean, it was perceived as like literally the land of milk and honey. So for those guys to be traveling up and down, you know, east and west across America to just look out their bus window and just see America, it must have been, to them, they must have felt like the most, and, and in a way they were, the most successful people on earth to, just to be able to do that. So this record comes out of that. And, if you li- and when you really listen to it, it is really a blend of U2's sound and all the sounds that they heard in America. I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic record. If you are not a U2 fan or you don't really know much about them, I'm sure most of you, I'm sure, have heard of them, please check out the Joshua. It is just, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal record. And the first three songs were all number one hits. But I think the better stuff even comes later in the record, personally. Um, so I got, did you ever see I got them a good live? Description. Yes. For- Okay. Uh, Tampa Stadium. I saw them so live that I was literally underneath the little bridge that Bono stands on. Oh, that's awesome. I okay. Like, I was like third row. Yeah. I, I got sweat on by Bono. It was still haven't washed that arm. Okay. Well, I'm going to lick that arm when I see you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the really cool thing that they like to do, because I read a biography about them real quick. So they were really big on, you know, they started playing bigger and bigger venues and they wanted to bring the crowd in. And I remember during, they played Bullet the Blue Sky live when I saw them twice during the, um, elevation tour back in 2000 it was actually interesting once before september 11th and once after that's a whole story in and itself that i won't get into now because of time purposes but um he actually takes this giant spotlight and during bullet the blue sky there's this part toward the end where there's like this like little guitar thing move that the edge does that makes this like kind of sweeping sound and as he does it in time Bono shines the spotlight across the entire crowd. And it's the way that I'm describing it doesn't really sound like much, but I swear to God, you feel like you're part of the song. You feel like you're... You can, defi- you can definitely find that on YouTube. It, it, you can absolutely find that. And the, it, just the way that they do it, they do such a great job of making you feel like you're not just a spectator. You're part of that whole vibe. And it's such a beautiful... like. I've seen a lot of live shows, and Greg, you and I have done a lot of them together. You, mm-hmm. you don't feel like this in most shows. You just well, don't. I feel like that when I go to a show with you because you're very handsy. <laughs> and I also know how you like to be. <clears throat> <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yes, yes. Now, so just to describe what it was like back then. Now, we were young when this album came out. We were, I don't know. 87, so I was about 10, or I was 10. And if you want to understand what that band was back then, that was the band that all of the hot older sisters of your friends <laughs> would be wearing, were wearing that t-shirt. That's they were cool. all wearing the t-shirt with like the Bono uh, silhouette on it, okay. or the Joshua Tree black and white image on it. And you knew that it was cool because your friend's hot older sister was wearing it, and telling you to go away because you're 10 years old and not Bono. And then you would go and rummage in their underwear drawer. And I've said too much. 
I'm, oh I'm yeah, sniffing. I'm the one in front of a judge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Omar. We are going to do a little bit of reviews from 1987 throughout the side A episodes in preparation for the side B episodes. It might not only be music, maybe it'll be books and TV shows and all that stuff. Uh, but we talked earlier about patrons. And we did. Sometimes our patrons, which is a surprise, sometimes they have birthdays. And sometimes those birthdays cause us to have to do top five lists about them that reveal things about their past they may not be happy about. Or they might be very happy about. I would argue things and they that, didn't even know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may be completely unaware about it. <laughs> and one of those times is right now. Right now. Okay, bring it. It is Matt's birthday, also known as Jubal's. We talk about him like that. We refer to him by his screen name from the patron-only chat. And we know that Jubal's is a hard worker. And we know that he has had exactly 15 other jobs before his current job. Just 15, which is a coincidence because there's three of us making top five lists. <laughs> Hey, Jubals, we appreciate mm. you having 15 other jobs. That yes, made it really yeah, easy. Cause... That made it so easy for us. I appreciate buddy. Thank yeah. you, man. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the top five jobs that Jubals had before his current job. Who would like to go first? <laughs> Anyone? I guess I will. Okay. Um... One of the, well, one of these jobs isn't really a job per se as much as it's a hope of a job, because Jubal's writes his Jubal's writes in his dream journal every morning after he wakes up in a puddle of his own urine, hoping to turn it into a movie option. Interesting. Ah, I see. So now is this is he going to write about waking up in a puddle of his urine or writing about the dreams that he had that caused writing him about to the urinate? dreams that caused the puddle of urine? Excellent. Does Ethan now, Hawke I, play I, him? I believe... Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, uh, you, okay. You we, we, know, we know, most of us know Jubal's family name. And uh, per family tradition, uh, he was involved in the breeding of the Boykin Spaniel. Uh, he tried to be innovative with this because it was like, we need more Boykin Spaniels out there. So he decided that he wanted to make the dogs watch porn videos. He's going to like put them down and he's trying to be really innovative here. And it was going really well for a while. And then people started asking questions like, where, where are you getting the, the, these dog porn videos? And then he ended up getting uh, like a citation for filming dogs that were humping each other at a dog park. So they had to cut that off right then. That's how he got kicked out of the family uh, Boykin Spaniel mating. Dude, uh, I I totally thought you were going another route with that, and I was, was like, so many... damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All you right. thought I was going to say that he had sex with dogs. <laughs> you, you did. I did think but... you were going to say that. Yeah, uh, but you think record, I would start Greg, with that at number... Love. <laughs> you threw me a curveball. That's what you happened. Think that, you think I would do that at number five, though? Come on. You gotta... You gotta... <laughs> Wait till we get to number one before you get that kind of good action. <laughs> Speaking of action, uh, I'm sorry to out you, buddy. Um, one of his early jobs, he was a professional mechanical bull rider. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, 
eight seconds, motherfucker. Okay. But uh, um, that career got cut short when he lost his virginity to one of the bulls. So... Wow. Did he, though? <laughs> yeah. Now it's more therapy Ooh. than anything, but he, he had to move on to another career. It was that explains so much. Most likely taco. So. Yeah. <laughs> so explains well, so, so very much. Speaking of tacos, at taco festivals, he does like to dress up and pretend to be the porta potty valet attendant. That's weird. That's a, that's a weird job. It is. Like, it really is. And nobody really understands why he does it. It's the Jubal's. Yeah. And gross. It's super gross. <laughs> now, I actually know him. We've hung out in person. Rob has met him in person. Rob, Omar, you have not. I have not. Uh, but if you, if you look at him really closely, you're going to notice that his right arm is much stronger than his left. Like it's been used for something. Well, this is based on one of his early jobs. Uh, so he used to have, have a job, it, and it strengthened one of his arms because he, um, he would use it vigorously. And mm-hmm. it was a big, mm-hmm. like, vigorous workout. Uh, he, would, he would put a smile on everyone's face when he did it. Um, and he mm-hmm. usually left, and he ended up quitting this job because he would always go home sticky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would scoop ice cream for people. Oh. Yep. And it, it was a scoop, that was a scooping arm. So that's, that's, what, that's why his right arm was much stronger than his left. Is that why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Chicken or the egg? No, I don't think that's why. <laughs> I think that was purely coincidental. <laughs> That's my thing is, which came first, the ice cream or the... <clears throat> or, the or the Jubal's cream. <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the jerking off of Boykin Spaniels. Uh, there you see, go. There it is. And there's the theme for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and there we have it. Okay, that's fair. Um, my, the rest of mine kind of have a theme a little bit as well. Um, he would have loved, actually... People don't know this. This is, this is, don't tell anyone. He would have loved to have been a movie critic in the 80s, but he wasn't fucking born yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's got to listen to us critique things that are terrible. Wow. Yeah. That's true. Youngsters. Youngsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. Well, right. He, he also, incidentally, uh, portrayed a little talent of his into a, a short-term gig as a methane production plant. <laughs> he, he did have a habit of secretly sniffing and cataloging his farts. And trust me, you will never have one worse than the El Mejor Tamale incident of 2004. I just did the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you can't see because the cameras are off, but I, I'm doing. I don't even do it right, you know, for reasons. But for reasons, yeah. But uh, El Mejor Tamale was and, not a not and, a good time. And incidentally, incidentally, that was the one that got him fired. Yeah, yeah, understandable on that one. Uh, <laughs> did you know? That he was uh, officially in charge of putting the holes in the bagels at his family bagel shop. Oh my God. Every bagel would come out. He was in charge of that. He until uh, people are like, man, he's really good at that. And the the holes are perfectly sized. They're not they're not too big. Uh, how are you doing that? And then someone walked into the back room when he was doing it and realized that he wasn't using the 
bagel hole spacing device he was using something else okay greg what was he using a pipe from the toilet no doubt <laughs> sure <laughs> so yeah that's why i was let go of that job we don't talk about those things they're unspeakable it is a pipe though <laughs> true that's true a lot of a lot of bagels conversation in this episode because they are delicious until matt gets a hold of them yeah. <laughs> or until you forget the cream cheese <laughs> that's true Oh, uh, that's fair. Uh, did you guys know, uh, do you know that about his current um, side gig? No. Um, he's a movie critic. Did you, you didn't hear about this? He talked about it in the... No, so, he, so he wanted to be one, but he wasn't alive in the 80s, but he actually got a gig he, doing but it. But he's doing it now, yeah. Another thing about him that you guys don't know, his affinity, much like myself, for Scarlett Johansson. Also a little known Go fact. On. So... This again. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know what? This this is not me. This is this is Jubal's this time. Okay, it's got nothing to do with me. Sure, it is. Okay. He he wants to um, he wants to critique the um, upcoming Black Widow movie, but he's uh, needs a note from his mom to get into the movie because it's PG thirteen. Wow, Jubal's Jubal's uh, in our chat room. He mentioned the year he was born, and it actually broke Omar. Yeah, yeah. for those of you that. on the outside looking in. <laughs> it makes sense to us. That's why it's funny. Well, and him. Or not. For those of you for those of you who remember Malls, he actually had a boot he, he actually had a job at a mall when he was younger. And it was at one of those one of those magic picture booths. Do you remember those? Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, I do. Yes. I do. Those books where you, yeah. where you stare at the picture mm -hmm. and and the it's image comes into that. yeah, and the image comes into focus. I've never been able yep. to do that, but yes, it's a painful memory. He he actually was let go from that job after repeatedly staring at those three D images for a long time and giving himself a headache before he realized it was just static on a TV. <laughs> <sighs> That's that fair. was before he went to college, I think. <clears throat> no. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, you might still be able to get it if you go to Amazon, because it, it was released a while ago, but it's still out there. Uh, he is the author of the travel book, 100 Couches to Crash On, a travel guide for those of you who really like tequila. Mm. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> so he wrote that book. You should check it out. Um, you know, the, the couches are still there. Some of them have mystery stains but you know he did write the book okay um he did actually get a hold of a time machine once little known fact um he spent some time making his um cash illegally he was a yeah, street yeah. tough as a 1980s in a 1980s game oh but it's i mean i'm sure he's a tough guy but it was more for the leather pants and mesh t-shirts Really? Yeah, that's, I mean, everyone's got their own style, and I'm not here to judge you, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Except we're totally judging you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I will say that he has made arrangements for the future as well. Because, he's smart. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 a, trying... he's a good little Jewish boy. He's a mensch, as we say. Yes, he's, he's, he's trying to make sure his family is taken care of. He has donated his body to Taco Bell because he loves tacos so much 
he plans on being Taco Bell's first kosher taco. Ooh. It's got like a taco inception, too, because his body is <laughs> mostly made of full of his tacos. body is mostly made of tacos. Yep. That's a He's lot like of taco. He's like 90% taco, where we're like 90% water. Jubals, I will have you know that if you were a taco, I would in fact eat you. And I say that with the utmost respect. Uh, so this is interesting. <laughs> wow. Uh, so here's another thing. Just uh, a plane crash. Alive. Wow. You went with an alive reference. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was. I went cannibalism. Yeah, that we didn't you see did. that coming. Just like that mountain. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that you didn't see coming. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, anyway, uh, so. You know, uh, Jubal's actually, he, he's a nice, nice boy. He, he goes to assisted living facilities, and he helps depressed old women, and men, by the way, uh, out by tenderly making love to them. Oh, my God. Oh, hold on. Um, is it a job if you don't get paid? <laughs> um, actually, I think that's just a hobby. If you do it for the love, oh, okay. is it ever a job? <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so hold on. Um. <laughs> Hold on, let me switch here. Um, yeah, he uh, worked for Publix. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got now. That's fair. Um, speaking of tacos, this is the last one. Am I? Is this the last one? Is this number fifteen? Yeah, this is the last one. Do you want, do you want, should we do a drum roll or something? Like I don't know. This is this is a big one though. Um, recently in our uh, Discord chat, he mentioned something on. on all jokes aside, this is the, one of the coolest things I've heard all year. Um, he doesn't get hung over. He gets awesome. <laughs> okay, that's a quote. That's like, well, that's a paraphrase. Um, he's going to be a tequila taster at an all-you-can-eat taco place as soon as he's old. <laughs> I think it might be this year, actually. He might be able to be. I don't do think that. so. We've got a few years left. You are nice. young, dude. Also, I also think that if that shirt doesn't exist, it needs to. I don't get hungover. I get more awesome. <laughs> That's true. Yes. But, we need to put that on our shop. Uh, that is absolutely yeah. true. That is a fantastic quote. That, that, uh, that had me laughing all day. And give him some of, the, some of the credit there. For sure. Well, I think that takes us out of, of the episode here. Um, I will uh, I'll just do this here. Uh, remember, check out Monday, our Side B episode, the first of our Summer of 87 episodes, where we are going to talk about Predator. Predator. And, of course, we do our question of the week, which is, how many ways can I misspell Predator in the notes? A lot. <laughs> is the answer. Uh, but anyway, if you want to contact us, you can check everything out at gimme5podcast.com. The thing that helps us the most is you could uh, like our podcast and subscribe it and review it on whatever podcast provider you are, you are, uh, you use. I did notice something the other day. We had a perfect review thing going on, and we had a, uh, someone gave us a one star on the thing, but I believe it happened when we first started, so I think it was the other Give Me Five podcast. No, that was but me. But it disappeared. <laughs> But but it disappeared. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> fuck, fuck these guys. But but it disappeared for a while. And when I saw it pop up, I was like, "Well, where did that come from?" And um, it uh, 
now I have to go hunt down these people that did a podcast for like three weeks that had the same name as ours and then gave us a bad review because it was gone for a while. And then I think um, Apple changed their algorithm and it popped up again. So, yeah. But we anyway. We outlasted those assholes. Yeah, we did. They only did the first of the two, the Avengers uh, Infinity movies. And then they failed before the, they failed out before the second one. Uh, anyway, there's a bunch of ways to reach us, but the, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Give me five pod. You can go and you can email us at give me five podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys all for listening and for supporting the show. See you on Monday. Happy birthday, Matt. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Matt.